Welcome to the Learn to Code podcast. Um, my name is Jorge Escobar. Welcome. Thank you for listening. And it's been quite a while since the last episode. I know I've been neglecting the podcast a lot. So, uh, but in a change, um, I want to promote my YouTube channel. I've been streaming live coding sessions for around a week now, and I've been focusing my efforts on a project, a personal project, because uh, I am still unemployed, uh, looking for a job, you know, and living off my savings. And I'm using the time, uh, I use the time to play a lot of video games on January and February, but now in March, uh, you know, um, they each to develop something came. So I started in March, uh, early March, to design uh, and, and plan ahead a little bit, rewatch uh, um, a Node.js course in Udemy. And I started uh, 10 days ago to refactor a static website as a Node.js application. It's been going pretty well so far. It's not on the internet yet because I've been doing all locally on my computer, you know. I've been developing on Windows this time because I don't have a company laptop anymore. So basically uh, no Mac OS and no Linux this time. My recording uh, PC, my streaming PC is going to become my stream PC and development machine at the same time and my gaming machine. So I'm doing everything on a single PC this time. Uh, never mind that. Um, a Node.js application that I started as a, uh, as a, an Express.js uh, generated template, basically. If you work with Node.js, you already know. You may already know what Express.js is, which is basically a framework for developing websites uh, on Node.js. It allows me to create a, uh, there is a, inside uh, the Express framework, we do have access to something called the Express Generator, which is basically uh, a program that, that creates a very basic as, um, web app skeleton that you can use to develop your own app. Um, you know, it basically brings order to something that can be very chaotic in the future. And during my learning process, or may I say my relearning process, because uh, I already watched most of the Node.js course, uh, but I had never sit down and follow through with the exercises. And that was a really big mistake on my part. Because um, while I was watching this course, I actually believed that I was learning something. And I've been always uh, uh, pushing the idea of watching several times uh, the same course. For example, uh, watch once uh, just in order to explore the content, then watch again following the examples. Uh, However, this course is big. The Node.js course from Maximilian uh, it's very big on Udemy. It's very long, and uh, uh, and in the Angela Yu course is really long too. But uh, it's touching a lot of different um, subjects in the same course. 
basically it's a bootcamp so i'm watching something about html that starts and ends on a single section i'm watching something about uh, html or javascript or bootstrap so basically these are uh, one section mini courses chained up um, that's basically what the angela you uh, bootcamp course on web development is, is giving me the vibe song uh, the node.js is a single subject course and it's around five or six hours of video i believe so it doesn't really work my technique doesn't really work with this one because most of the advanced sections require uh, me to wholly understand and deeply understand uh, the previous sections so um, the a news uh, an advanced section is going to heavily depend on what you know from the previous sections and it's going it's pretty much like trying to learn algebra uh, when you barely understand arithmetic something like that it's not going to be a good experience so that's why um, when I um, uh, I continue watching the course recently and I and it didn't actually click because the last time I was watching this course this specific course was about a year ago so uh, the knowledge was not fresh in my mind that was an issue another issue is I haven't practiced any uh, well most of the code I didn't have a, a, an actual practice of um, I did manage to understand most of the things, I guess, because uh, I did have some experience with Node from previous courses. Both, uh, however, I was not able to bring myself up to speed. So I took a step back, I restarted the course, and I began watching from the start again. Um, some parts I was able to skip through or play on on double speed you know just to uh, uh, just to skip the easy parts uh, but then again I got to stop and, and take a step back because uh, some of the easy parts or uh, quote-unquote easy parts uh, were not really understood and this was pretty clear to me early in the course on Node.js uh, uh, Maximilian touches um, uh, the subject of uh, creating forms in order to send requests, you know. And this is very early on on the course and is rarely touched upon later. And he does use uh, heavy use of, of, of forms, HTML forms, in order to create requests. But way too early on on the, on the course, he actually touches how to manage requests inside Node. For example, uh, in the course, uh, he recommends installing something called Body Parser. Body Parser is an NPN model that you use to interpret the data that comes from requests on the web. So basically, if you want to create a, an HTML form and send data to the backend server, and that data should be processed somehow uh, in order to actually get the data, you need uh, a, a model like body parser that allows you to pick up the data, uh, parse it, or interpret the data as something that you can read on JavaScript, you know. 
So he uses body parser. And when I was developing, um, I quickly realized that I didn't really need to include body parser anymore because it's already being used by Express. And, and I realized this because on the app.js file, there is a line that actually makes use of a body parser. Uh, yet instead of using uh, the body parser object or model, is actually using Express. So it's pretty much the same line. I wonder if I can uh, pick that. I do have the, uh, let me, let me give you the line. Uh, there we go. So uh, let's remember, as I mentioned before, that I created this project using the Express uh, generator, basically. There we go. I do have a line here on the app.js file that reads app.use, open parenthesis, express, and that's the important part, dot URL encoded, open parenthesis, open curly brackets, extended, semicolon, false, closing curly brackets, closing parenthesis, closing parenthesis again, and semicolon at the end. So what this means, uh, actually I mentioned uh, semicolon as after extended. Uh, I don't remember the name of that symbol, but it's basically uh, one dot, uh, uh, a pair of dots, one up over the other. I don't remember the name of that, but never mind. So it's basically, um, uh, it's been using express instead of body parser in order to call the URL encoded um, function, I believe it is, which basically URL encoded returns a middleware that only parses URL encoded bodies and only looks at requests where the content type header matches the type option. So basically, uh, regular HTML forms that doesn't uh, define uh, a type like uh, simple text, for example, uh, those are going to be working with this. So basically, uh, regular HTML forms are going to work. So Express is going to allow myself to parse those those uh, those bodies, basically those request bodies, and I am using that in order to gather data from a contact form. Uh, I'm gathering simple data like the name of the person, uh, his or her phone number. Uh, his or her email, um, and what services is this person interested in on the company, in this case, a private school, and some uh, and a text area that is basically I am including just for uh, adding comments in general, you know. And using that data to build an email and send that email using Node, uh, I'm going to send that email directly to an email account for the company, basically. A company information email. So, I've been successful on doing that. Uh, I got a... a I, I spent like a, an entire day figuring out how to send email on Node because on the course, uh, he's using a third-party service. I don't remember the name. And I tried to create an account on the page of that service, and that, and I failed. 
So um, I wasn't I, I at this point I don't know why I was I was not able to create a let me see what the name of the services. Uh, I am using a package called Node Mailer, yet in the course he's he's using a third party uh, service that I don't remember the name right now, but never mind. I am still using uh, Node Mailer, and I was able to send uh, the emails to uh, to the company email. So the third party service is going to allow me to send email to any other email because you may know that most uh, email providers are not going to allow you to do that because uh, of security reasons because anybody could use a, a, a Node.js or a, or a Python script to send mass, uh, mass emails to everybody. So a third party becomes necessary in that case. In my case, I am sending email to a single account. So I'm going to receive all the emails. So it's going to be way easier for me to just enter, um, to just make sure that this single email that is going to receive all the emails is going to basically allow um, the connection of, of my app. That's why I don't really need this third party app. If I'm going to be making, let's say, uh, 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 a mass email sending app, you know, or like a marketing app or something like that, I'm going to need to use this third-party service because this third-party service is going to basically uh, send the one email campaign to a lot of people. And to avoid falling into the spam folder of every uh, of everybody, I guess this is going to be required. But never mind that. So uh, I no longer need to install. Uh, I need to install uh, Node Mailer, basically to use this. But uh, I don't require to. Uh, I don't need. Uh, the third party service that's basically it never mind so um i've been stumbling upon uh, several issues with the code uh but most of the time is my uh my my i do have voids of knowledge or let's say i'm being ignorant of about a lot of things uh, and mainly because i skip uh, chapters at the beginning of this project that I should have been watched. So I was ignorant about how, uh, for example, um, uh, how to work with the MBC design pattern, and that stands for the Model View Controller Design Pattern, for example. Um, when I um, rewatched the course, I started way in the future of the course, let's say 60% uh, uh, on the course, I started from there, because in my mind, I was just uh, going to continue the learning process, you know. The truth is that since I didn't actually practice anything, uh, I was very confused when I tried to rewatch the course from where I was left off last time. So that's the main reason why I needed to step back a little bit and uh, watch from the beginning. 
so basically my strategy of watching the entire course once and then rewatch it and try to make the exercises and then rewatch it again while building an actual product uh, is only going to work when I'm working with very small courses or with very big courses that um, that are managing several uh, and compact um, sections, let's say. For example, uh, as I mentioned before, Angela Yu does have her uh, web development bootcamp. I think she updates the bootcamp, but that's pretty much the same thing. She just adds um, um, like uh, some... Mm, mm, non-code related videos at the end of each chapter and that was the main uh, update that she did in the past and and an optional chapter about design you know um choosing color choosing fonts uh how to apply space on the on the web page uh, which used to be an optional chapter at the end of the course it is now a proper chapter that she moved very uh, at the pretty much at the start of the course, basically, and is required for you to watch. Uh, and that's basically the updates that she did on the course. Uh, not really that much content, um, and yet it is a really good uh, course. I used that to create my first um, static website that I am now refactoring as a Node.js web application. So, uh, obviously, working with uh, Node.js uh, is very hard for me because uh, uh, I am obviously doing all the job here, uh, the front end and the back end. And I had to admit that I'm not really good at the front end, uh, but I am learning a lot about front-end and back-end with Node. Um, basically, building this project is, is, is more likely to help me uh, to develop those skills that I've been neglected on the front-end and the back-end because I've been working with AWS Lambda so far. And you may know or not know, but uh, AWS Lambdas are basically their own little universe. You just do something in a Lambda, which is basically a... A, a Python script, you do everything in a Lambda, you, you receive a request, you don't care how, you, pro, you, you parse the request on Python, and you send the request back uh, to the client on a response object and call it a day, basically. And, uh, and that's basically how you work with AWS Lambda. So you don't really need to take care of the entire design pattern thing, you know. Uh, I am working with Model View Controller, which stands for mo basically the model is all the data, you know. Data sources, uh, databases, uh, table databases, you know, uh, data that comes from files. Uh, everything related to data is basically the model the logic on JavaScript that you are going to use to deal with the with the data, basically. Um, the, the view is basically everything that the end user sees 
and this is going to be reflected as the web pages basically the views um, uh, what the website is going to look like you know if you are going to use a, a title a form uh, how to design the form you know so all the logic that you require to build these web pages is going to be the view and then we have the controller and that's all the javascript code that you are going to use to add logic to the model to interact with the views basically the controller is what connects your data with what the user sees and all the logic that is required to connect those two things is, the, is basically the controller so i am sending um a lot of, uh, of requests back and forth using the form. Uh, and basically this request just, uh, the only purpose of this e uh, email form is to create an email, a, a custom email, and basically fill out the data from the form on the email, and then send the email to this single account. And that's basically it. Uh, I did have a, an issue before because uh, I've been working with Hotmail, Gmail, and iCloud.com. And in the in the case of iCloud.com, that's from Apple, I believe, uh, the email is not arriving. I wonder why that is. But this especially with uh, with all the all the tests that I've been doing with uh, uh, with iCloud.com. I wonder if uh, that's an Apple thing. I don't know. Uh, but that's my main issue. Basically, uh, I am afraid that somebody is going to introduce uh, an email account and is, and we are not going to receive that. And I've been logging the day. Uh, I've been uh, console logging basically on the on the terminal. What's going on, you know? And I I am I do have a console log that tells me if there was an error or if the email was sent successfully. And in all cases, I've been receiving, you know what? Uh, if I introduce an, an invalid email, uh, that's going to be an issue uh, sometimes. Uh, but most, uh, most of the time, um, the email is valid. And in the case of uh, iCloud.com, uh, email accounts, uh, I receive a successful uh, message you know it says that basically you know what uh, the email was sent successfully yet I didn't receive it on my end so where is it basically that's my question and at this time I don't really know what's going on there uh, then again uh, I don't remember if iCloud email is a thing anymore uh, most people tend to use Gmail or something else um, and I believe that uh, those accounts are basically just uh, iCloud accounts are basically from Apple. So maybe people that doesn't have an, an email account uh, are provided one from uh, from iCloud.com, I believe. I don't know. Uh, but the thing is, um, well, I've been working on this project for 10 days straight. Uh, and I've been advancing pretty quickly, actually. Um, I'm not creating uh, what you may call uh, a dashboard yet. 
because I'm not there yet. But I think I can get there pretty fast, actually. As soon as I um, finish with the refactoring process and run the entire website um, on, on Node, I should be able to jump into the next big step that would be creating an authentication system. Basically, allow the users to make accounts on the website and log into their own customized area of the website, basically. Um, this is a private school. So the first thing I was thinking about was, you know what? Maybe I should allow uh, the parents of the children going to the school, uh, allow them to pay online. That would be one thing, for example. Uh, I'm planning to use a Stripe. Uh, that's a third-party service that allows me to, to basically charge online. And Stripe, uh, being a third-party a third party service, is going to take a 3% uh, uh, on the amount being paid, basically, a commission. Um, I'm going to tell that to my parents, where, and they are basically the owners of the, of the private school, that I'm making this uh, website for. So basically, I'm going to uh, ask them, you know what, uh, uh, I'm going, I want to implement this, yet it's going to, they are going to charge us. And the option to that, to Stripe, would be to maybe uh, talk with somebody on the bank. Uh, I wonder if they do, I guess that they do have an account um, a big account or an enterprise account, I don't really know. Uh, maybe they do have an enterprise account on the bank and maybe we can, I can talk to somebody there or get uh, access to an API and maybe the documentation for the API in order to develop something on my website that allows me to, uh, to I don't know, to pull... Uh, a bank form, you know, in order to charge online. Uh, well, basically the next step will be to do just that, you know, to allow parents to create an account and um, or, or we create them the accounts and allow them to basically um, pay online instead of going to the school in person, uh, you know, with the pandemic and all that. It's quite difficult to do that. Um, and we and they are basically charging them in person, uh, either using their credit card or debit cards. Uh, uh, they do have a a, a a a credit card terminal there, uh, but the parents need to go there and pay up in person, I guess. So, uh, paying online is uh, pretty much a must for any company of any type because it's making things easier for everybody, you know. Uh, the companies are getting their money faster and the clients don't need to go out anywhere. They can just pick up their phone, go to the website or open an app and just pay, you know. And, uh, and parents that are more tech savvy, you know, millennial parents right now, uh, millennials are around 30 to 40 years old right now. So they are the parents now, millennials. Uh, 
uh, they are pretty tech savvy, you know. They can pick up the phone, open their wallet uh, apps, you know, uh, whatever bank they are. They are probably going to use uh, an app on, for that bank. And they can um, pay services on the app. They don't really need to go to a website on the co on some company that they don't really trust um, and just uh, try to fill a form with their uh, uh, bank data, you know, that would be very risky. Uh, it, they feel more safe, in my opinion, if they just open their own bank's uh, app and they... Uh, and they add another account there that they can just send money uh, with a reference, obviously, and and basically pay that way. So that would be another option, I guess. Uh, for my sake, I may like to do the exercise of creating an Stripe form, you know, to call an Stripe form and, and embed it inside my web page and basically allow myself to create my authentication system. Uh, and Angela Juice course is, uh, dwells very deeply into this, into this creating a, an authentication system with user authentication and all that. And Maximilian does have his, uh, his take on it, but I haven't watched his, his section yet. So I'm yet to see what his approach is going to be. I really like what I already seen on Angela Use course, and I get to see what Maximilian is going to say about it. But the thing is, um, she's um, uh, very she's touching a lot of subjects uh, on a single section, basically um, several ways that you can authenticate, which are basically um, ten different ways that we used to authenticate users before, uh, and she calls them the 10 levels of uh, security. And at the very end, she doesn't really use those. Um, she basically uses somebody else's authentication system. For example, Google's authentication system. If you have a Google account, most people have, um, you can use your Google account to authenticate inside somebody else's website. Uh, this is a very common practice. Uh, if you are um, uh, an AWS practitioner, you may know that you have access to something called um, API Gateway, I think it's called. Um, API Gateway. Uh, and, uh, and something called, how do you call it? Oh my God, I forgot the name. It's a service on AWS that allows you to basically do that. Uh, connect to a website or a service using somebody else's authentication system. How, how was it called? I don't remember the name, um, but this is a service. Mm, it does have a funny name, I don't remember it. But anyway, this service is basically, you know what? I do have a Facebook account. Maybe I can log into your website using my Facebook account. And the, the issue here, it's not an issue. Actually, it's very useful because you, I, as a web developer, I don't have to implement my own authentication system, my own security, my own everything. I may just uh, leverage what somebody else's already have. Um, and this is a very advantageous thing for the user 
because the user may already have a Facebook account or a Twitter account or an Amazon account or a Gmail account or a Google account, basically, and reuse that login to make an account on my side, basically. Uh, I do still have the option to allow them to create a proper account here with me, but uh, I may like to uh, use the three bit ones, you know, a Google account, a Twitter account, um, probably an Instagram account, and uh, and that will be a Facebook account, basically. Uh, so here in Mexico, or, or at least where I live, uh, a lot of people, uh, most people have an Instagram account, which is basically the new phone number here in Mexico. So you have Instagram, that's basically, you don't, you don't ask for a phone number anymore. You ask for an Instagram account. Uh, then uh, phone number for all people, basically, uh, older people, and we are talking 50 years plus, uh, they still use phone numbers to use WhatsApp, basically. So very old folk use WhatsApp. Uh, 30 years old and 40 years old, uh, early early 40s, uh, they are going to be using um, uh, Instagram instead. Maybe Facebook, um, but Instagram most of the time. And very young people are going to be using uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram, you know. Uh, anyway, well, having said that, uh, implementing my own authentication system will be a great exercise. So I'm probably going to end up doing both, uh, you know, using uh, a third party authentication system and allowing the users to choose also to create an account there. But most people are going to prefer to use um, something that they already have, you know. And uh, although I don't really think that uh, many people are going to use uh, the website to pay up because of trust issues, you know, people are going to be reluctant to use uh, some random um, developed website to enter their own fan, uh, credit card data, you know. Uh, nevertheless, it's going to be a great exercise for me, you know. And who knows, maybe my next project is going to be an electronic shop, you know, and an e-shop and sell stuff online. Uh, that would be another great great experiment, a great exercise. Although I already know that Amazon exists and Mercado Libre exists. So why would anybody want to sign into my, uh, my own version of that? Um, my approach would be, you know what? I'm not going to offer this to end users. Perhaps I'm going to find uh, a hardware store that wants um, a proper a proper website that allows them to sell stuff online. Um, making a shop online would be a great project because I can sell that um, as a generic project and adapt it depending on the business to anybody, basically. That would be a, a great um, second project, you know. And most obviously, the third project is going to be an inventory system. That's something that my wife wants me to build because she's front-end and I do front-end and back-end. So she's basically looking at me anxiously and, and, and she sees me developing this thing and she already sees herself uh, 
making debuts for the inventory system, you know. Uh, but she just focus on she just she just loves to focus on what the thing is going to look at the end. Basically, she's very visual. Uh, she doesn't really like backend, so uh, but she understands that uh, if she wants something done, she either needs to do it herself or get somebody like me to build it for her, basically. So uh, she is looking at me anxiously and she's waiting for me to just finish this. Uh, and maybe I, I'm going to build the inventory system because it's going to be way easier to deal with that instead of an electronic shop. Uh, would I say that uh, the third project will be an inventory system? Why? Because if I end up building an, an electronic shop, well, every single time I sell something on a hardware store uh, and I sell that thing successfully and, and send it over to the client, then the natural thing that needs to happen is, well, now I do have less merchandise to sell on my inventory because I just sold one unit. I may like to see the effects of the sell immediately apply to whatever inventory system I have. Most of the time, these companies already have a solution for inventory. Uh, the thing that they don't have is a way to know, uh, to basically connect sales with inventory directly, because most of the time, the update of the inventory is being done manually, you know, uh, at the end of the of the month or at the end of the week, maybe, or, or a couple of weeks. Uh, most of these businesses tend to work uh, to send somebody um, into the warehouse and make a manual inventory, you know, an update, uh, uh, an express sheet, maybe, and an Excel spreadsheet, uh, uh, whatever that thing, that thing are managing, and basically update the values from the inventory uh, to correlate or, or be in line with what the sales figures are doing, basically. So that job is because, and why this happens? Well, basically the sales system, you know, uh, the sales system, is not directly tied to the inventory system. So the second I sell something, I'm not necessarily going to update the inventory because uh, most of the time, those two systems are being provided by different providers. Or even if, if there is a single provider, uh, it's quite difficult to, to align that anyway. So because they tend to be two different software projects in the end. So unless you are working in a big company and you have access to an, an, an ERP system, uh, basically updating your inventory system, whatever that is, with your sales system or your eShop, uh, it's going to end up being pretty, uh, pretty difficult. So my plan is, uh, using the model view controller to have one source of the truth for the inventory right from the start, you know. I'm going to be selling merchandise from the inventory and when the, and when the merchandise is being sold, 
are going to update the inventory when when the merchandise is just outside of our control anymore. It's not ours to sell anymore. So that's basically my plan uh, for the future. And I it's about to be 7 a.m. maybe. So I'm going to cut this episode short because at 7 a.m. I start working on this project. And I invite you uh, to follow me on my Twitter account at uh, Jorge Escobar on Twitter. Uh, All together. I'm going to put the link on the description of the podcast if you want to follow me on Twitter. I am announcing my streams there every single time. And you can follow me on my YouTube channel. Uh, for my live coding sessions, uh, I going to I do have a lot of uh, I do have a lot of uh, of sessions already because I've been streaming live coding sessions for ten days straight. <laughs> These are very long coding sessions, uh, and uh, and and that's it, I guess. Thank you for coming in, listening to my ramblings, and um, what can you pull from this episode? Well. Uh, my strategy of watching three times the same course, uh, just watching one time, and then uh, that doesn't really work with very long courses that are specific to a single subject. Uh, so I may, I may like to suggest you with very long courses, let's say five hours plus, that just that are just focused on a single subject. Uh, I would recommend to right from the start, uh, pick up your computer and a secondary monitor to watch the video and your main monitor to code the exercises right from the start. Uh, because it's not going to make much sense with a long course. Most people don't have the time I have available. I am unemployed right now, so I can dedicate my time to do whatever I want. Uh, so and I, I am uh, having trouble doing that because I do have to get groceries, you know. I had to deal with other things in my private life, and uh, uh, and I do have uh, a long time of free time, but I use that time for other stuff. Uh, at this time, I am still looking for a job, you know. Uh, but uh, I already have a job. I am developing software, so. I'm not anxious anymore uh, looking for a job. I'm not getting paid, uh, but I do have some savings. I can live off like that, like a year, maybe maybe a year and a half. But uh, being honest, um, I think that I have at least uh, uh, whatever comes after the first year of savings, uh, of living off my savings, is going to be a gift, basically. I don't think I can hold... Uh, uh, more than a year and a half, but at least I have a year, so I'm not that anxious anymore at this point. But um, I'm not buying a car, so I'm not paying. A, I'm not buying a house, so but I do have enough to live off my rent, you know, to pay off uh, groceries, to pay utilities, to pay rent, you know, the basic stuff. Uh, but anyway, I think I'm just rambling at this point, so um, I'm not going to waste your time anymore. Uh, Thank you for coming in, and I'm going to link um, my YouTube channel and my Twitter account on the description of this podcast. Um, And basically, you can reach me at Jorge Escobar in Twitter, 
And I believe I am also Jorge Escobar on YouTube. I may need to double check that one. I'm going to uh, look for the links on my podcast description. Thank you for coming in and see you later.